0: Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you. Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Today's show is entitled, It's Time to Grow Up. Have you ever heard the phrase, you know, somebody's yelling, you need to grow up. Well, rarely do we ever direct that stage to people of mature and advancing age. But the truth of the matter is, no matter what age somebody is, we all have an opportunity to grow up. And growth is obviously what we're all about here. If you weren't interested in growth, you probably wouldn't be tuning into this show. Yeah, I'm a personal growth and development guy, I'm a business growth guy. Uh, you know, that's what I'm all about. And we all have a chance to grow up. And what we're going to talk about today, and specifically in the areas of growth, is emotional maturity. Now, Again, I always like those definitions, so we're all on the same page, not just Brian's opinion. The ability to manage your emotions and take full responsibility for your actions. The ability to manage your emotions and take full responsibility for your actions. Those are two things in today's culture that aren't often talked about. Take full responsibility. The world we're living in today seems to have built an industry out of blaming other people. Other people are the reason you're not successful. Other people are the reason your life's not where you want it to be. Institutions, organizations, governments, all the different dynamics of what it takes. Another definition is a high and appropriate level of emotional control and expression. That's the American Psychological Association. A high and appropriate level of emotional control and expression. What do we have today? Well, we have overexpression, hyperbole. It's hard to know where it begins and where it ends. Clickbait, social media, and in fact, the more extreme versions of somebody, whatever you do, that's what gets all the publicity. Okay. And so there's an opportunity here to grow for all of us, for all of us to look in the mirror, to see where the gaps are. My friend Bob Bodine says, We're all a cup short. We all need some help, right? That cup's got to get filled up from other places and other people. Now, Emotional maturity comes from, first of all, your natural disposition, how you're wired. And you're going to hear more and more of this throughout the podcast and our episodes in the future. What was originally our heritage profile has now evolved into this next level of what we call the real strengths and where we've spent years and years and years doing in-depth analysis of people's profile, of how they're wired, how they communicate, how they interact with other people. So everybody has a natural predisposition. And we have a chance to mature in that predisposition. Your upbringing, in your background, right? So in my family, we're loud, we talk with our hands, uh, we eat quick, we do all these things. And you contrast it when I go to my wife's family and they're quiet, they don't use their hands, they're not as expressive. So you're like, hey, where are you planted? What field were you planted in? So, And then you have your life experiences that come along and that create levels of maturity and immaturity based on our experiences. And so emotional maturity, the mistake to make here is to think that it comes with age, that it's a developmental or a chronological development. It's not. You know, I've met 50-year-olds that act in certain circumstances like a six- or an eight-year-old, usually because the triggering that happened as a six- or an eight-year-old has never been dealt with, never been worked through, never been processed, never gotten to a place of peace with, And in this particular area in their life, in this particular instance, they get triggered and they go right back emotionally to where they were. And in today's world, we see more and more people triggered in more and more ways than ever before. Like I say, around the world, people have never had more. There's never been less hunger or starvation. The mortality rate's never been better. There's a lot of things in our world today, as you look over the 7,000 years of recorded human history. Where we're more at peace, more wealth, more success, more stability, more security than the world's ever had. But I think a lot of what we have today that's different than cultures in the past is a lot of emotional difficulties. And so, this whole emotional maturity, I think, is a good topic for all of us to kind of wrap our arms around. Emotional intelligence is a very, very powerful thing. It's essential for successful leadership as well, whether it be with your work, your family, and your community. I love the Hyatt and Hyatt study. I want to quote these guys. This was great. And it said, The ability of leaders to implement successful leadership skills is a result of their behavioral response to a situation. Behavior consists of feelings, actions, and thoughts, which is in direct correlation to one's degree of emotional maturity. Therefore, emotional maturity is perhaps the most important attribute which an individual can possess to ensure success. So now I've got your attention. This is a big deal. You want to be successful. You want to be a leader. You want to have peace of mind. You want to be able to relate well to others. You want to be able to have things go well, personal relationships, personal interactions, emotional security. So here we're going to dive in. I've got three points for you. We're going to talk about the first part that I see all the time, and I'm going to call myself out in the areas that I've been working on in my own life. We're going to talk about stunted growth, where you want to grow, it's time to grow up. Well, there's areas where growth is stunted. We're going to talk about the green shoots, where you need to celebrate and understand where growth is taking place. And then we're going to talk about all grown up, and we're going to talk about what it looks like to really be in flow with growth and personal growth and development in such a way that you're developing it emotionally, no matter what your age. So here's what Stunted growth looks like, and it's these are really the signs of emotional immaturity. And the three categories that come to mind first and foremost is you blame others. Second, you can't accept criticism, and third, you become stagnant. Let's just take a second here. Someone said to me one time, a friend of mine who was speaking at one of our events. He goes, "Brian, you like to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. That seems to be your gift, and it's okay. It's okay. And then again, I want to challenge you." I want to challenge you to be the best you can be. I want to challenge myself to be the best I can be. So when we blame others, when we can't accept criticism and when we become stagnant, that's a sign of stunted growth and it's a sign of emotional immaturity. So first and foremost, we blame others. Well, the first thing I like to call out is BS, BS. And the ultimate BS is blame shifting where something goes wrong, the defense goes up. And immediately, I shift the blame from myself to someone else. That's a defense mechanism that many of us have. We blame others. And then we get into what we call the blame game, which is now the stories that get told around that. All right? So we double down in our positions. And then what ultimately happens is we lack responsibility. And so blaming other people, let me say this, it's a sign of immaturity and it's a sign of insecurity when we find ourselves blaming others, as opposed to, no, this is it, take on responsibility, away we go. The great John Wooden said, you're not a failure until you start blaming others for your mistakes. Now, that guy was a winner. He was a winner's winner. I've shared many times my stories of being on the road with John Wooden, the all-time winningest NCAA basketball coach in men's basketball, brilliant man, brilliant philosopher, and someone who was very emotionally mature. You're not a failure, no matter what, no matter what circumstances, no matter what you've tried, no matter what's happened, until you start blaming others. That's when you start becoming a failure, when you start blaming others for your mistakes. Paulo Coelho wrote The Alchemist, said, You can spend your entire life blaming the world, but your successes or failures are entirely your own. That's true. My friend Dave Ramsey says, It's easy to blame others for your situation. It's much more productive to search your own past and find what caused your faults. The fact of the matter is, we've got to check it out. We've got to be willing to open. And it doesn't mean you walk around filleting the skin off your back over mistakes you've made. And I know some people who are very hard on themselves who do that. But you can't start to grow if your defense mechanism is blaming other people. In fact, you will never grow in the area that you're trying to if you blame other people. Where's your financial situation? Where's your health situation? Where's your relationships? Where's your business? Where are you at? And that's one of the reasons why the world's become so politicized. It's so easy to blame the politicians for everything. And the truth of the matter is, politicians do some, but they don't do it all. And they don't come close to doing it all. And we blame other people. We blame God. We blame our family of origin, our mom, our dad, our brothers, our sisters, our environment, our neighborhood, our culture, our race whatever it is, our history. And it doesn't mean that there's not valid contributing factors to struggles and difficulties that a person's encountered or encountering right now. But until we take responsibility for that, if we constantly blame others, we get to live in that BS. And that's where it's at. Blame shifting. The next thing is, can't accept criticism. Now, look, it's just part of the game. And now we live in a hypercritical world today. Oh my goodness. The social media stuff is a joke, okay? Because there's just, you know, as they call them, the trolls out there, and they really can't do much of anything, right? And I always love Aristotle's quote, there's only one way to avoid criticism. Do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. So here's the good news. If you're getting exposed to criticism, it means you're doing something, you're saying something, you're trying to be something. So what happens when we can't accept criticism? Well, first of all, You feel attacked, you get defensive, and you take things very personally. And so you have to understand that criticism is just part of the game. Winston Churchill said, criticism may not be agreeable, but it is necessary. King Solomon, one of the wisest people who ever lived, said, whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be broken beyond repair. I'm going to say this. I have a tendency to be a little hard on myself with mistakes and so on and so forth but I will ultimately own it. I'll get over it and move past it. I've employed over 4,000 people in my career, and I'll share with you one absolute guaranteed way for failure. Something happens, a repeated pattern, not hitting numbers, not achieving things the way they're designed to be, and a person, instead of taking a look at it, hearing the feedback, owning it, go to work, taking the steps to try and improve it, the person who becomes defensive, recoils, blames other people. Let me say this. I've parted ways with a lot of people like that. I've parted ways with people like that. And because it has nothing to do with success. It has nothing to do with growth. It has everything to do with emotional immaturity. And on the job, you look, sometimes a criticism is unwarranted. That's fair. But ultimately, I'm always trying to know. When I've been criticized under any circumstance, I always go to find the kernels of truth in it. I always go to find, okay, is there anything in that that's viable? I don't give too much credence to it. I don't get caught up in people pleasing where, oh my gosh, any form of criticism is ultimately right and true. Sometimes it's just bogus and just, no, there's nothing to that. But if you start getting the same feedback in multiple sources, from multiple trusted sources, at some point in time, you got to give it credence. At some point in time, you got to hear it. Otherwise, you're stuck. Otherwise, you're not going to grow. And otherwise, you're already in a downward spiral. You're struggling. And what does it lead to? The third aspect of stunted growth, which is you're stagnant. You know, many people don't realize that that stagnation comes from not growing emotionally. And so you tell me, have you felt stuck? Have you become so connected to your comfort zone that your comfort zones become everything to you? You become slavish in your commitment to stability. You become terrified of instability. Any kind of change at all, you go donkey legged, okay? And you just stick in the ground. An educator, uh, Mary Jean Latendre, I've quoted her before, said, never confuse stability with stagnation. And look, I'm a routine guy. I love peace and quiet. I love to get in my routines and go, go, go. And it helps me relax and so on and so forth. But the fact of the matter is, we all love that feeling of stability. But if we're not growing, we're actually more than likely stuck in stagnation. Stability should be this comfort and this peace in the ascent. Comfort and peace in the ascent. And it's kind of a cool, proactive ascent that you're directing yourself. It's where you want to go. You're improving. You're seeing progress. You're getting feedback. You're doing the difficult things. You're stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah, you feel the nerves now and again. You're stepping out of your comfort zone. It's forcing you to kind of sometimes stay up late or read the book or go meet a person to get some feedback, to get some advice, to get some help, to get some coaching, whatever it takes. Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, co-authored those books, said, if we're not a little bit uncomfortable every day, we're not growing. All the good stuff is outside our comfort zone. That's so true. John Good said, happiness consists in activity. It is a running stream, not a stagnant pool. The ascent. The ascent. We find that peace in the ascent. And even though there's a little nervousness and a little, you know, the butterflies, the goal is to get them to fly in formation. People want stability, stability, stability. What that does is atrophy. You can't stabilize your way to success. It means you're already dying. You're already becoming not emotionally mature, emotionally immature, because you're not dealing with things. So we know the story. Stunted growth. You blame others, can't accept criticism, become stagnant. So let's get to the happy stuff. Where's the green shoots? Where's the signs of life when you're growing? And it's hard. You know, actually being able to discover and understand for yourself that you're growing personally, it's very hard. You can see bank accounts change for the better, waistlines change for the better, weight improves for the better. There's certain numbers that can show you you're growing, but real deep personal growth and development, especially emotional maturity. The only way I've ever really discovered it was going back and reading my journals, noticing the things that used to stress me out that don't stress me out anymore. So here are the green shoots of emotional maturity. And maybe for you, as you listen to this, you go, huh, I have made some progress in these areas. First, you take responsibility. You find yourself taking responsibility. I own this and really own it. There's been some political speeches lately with, the books stop here. And then immediately the speech goes on to blame everyone else. That's not taking responsibility. Taking responsibility means I own my part. Next, you embrace feedback. You understand that feedback is actually what helps you grow. And then you have this growth mindset. Harvard Business Review did a study on emotional intelligence. and They said it accounts for nearly 90% of what sets high performers apart from peers with similar technical skills. True. See it all the time. What sets people apart? What sets people apart? So I just watched the U.S. Open. There was two teenagers. One was just turned 19 from Canada, one just 18 from England. Remarkable stuff. And the English last, that won. her name is Emily. She was interviewed afterwards, and she said, you know, my parents held me to high standards. They really pushed me to grow. They weren't easy to please, but ultimately, they made me emotionally strong. And one of the things that people just couldn't understand, this young lady on the court, in the most intense pressure on Arthur Ashe Stadium, the whole world watching, the world of tennis watching, they just said, boy, she just doesn't look like an 18-year-old. She doesn't act like an 18-year-old. She's so emotionally mature. She was prepared for that for years and years and years with her family. And it wasn't through, you can do it, Pookie. It wasn't, everything was good. It was embracing the criticism, embracing the mistakes, taking responsibility and own it. And that's why she's 18 and extremely mature. So the first part about this is taking responsibility. You know, we had Jocko Wilnick on, and he wrote the famous book, Extreme Ownership. It's actually episode 166. And Jocko is this leader in the Navy SEALs. We had a great time with him. Serious dude, very serious about taking responsibility. And there was a couple of quotes that I've taken from that podcast that are with me every single day. You know, when he would just straight to my face said, hey, excuses are the lies we tell ourselves. That's taking extreme ownership. And so we have to do that. John Maxwell says leadership is taking responsibility while others are making excuses. Ed Cole said, maturity doesn't come with age. It begins with the acceptance of responsibility. I take responsibility for my life. That's an affirmation I've had many, many years. I take responsibility for my life. I take responsibility for my health, where it's at right now. I take responsibility for my finances. I take responsibility for my business. I take responsibility for my relationships. I take responsibility. You know, there's things I don't take responsibility. You know, I'm not in charge of the weather. I'm not in charge of inflation. There's a whole bunch of things I'm not in charge of. But I am in charge of certain things, and I take responsibility for my life is one of my core affirmations I say to myself. Behavioral scientist Steve Maraboli says, the victim mindset dilutes human potential. By not accepting personal responsibility for our circumstances, we greatly reduce our power to change them. It's oh, great stuff. And uh, look, it's tough anymore to talk in these terms. There are legitimate people who've been victimized in certain circumstances and situations and some terrible things that have happened in a person's life. But I would say to you that the victim mindset today is being sold everywhere it can be. And I will say this, let's say you give in or you know someone who gives in to the victim mindset. The best they can ever hope to be is being really good at being a victim. And who in the heck wants that? Who in the heck wants that? As opposed to using those things that have, maybe someone was a victim of, to be the driving force to make them victorious, to use it that way. So take responsibility. Second element of the green shoots is embracing feedback. Bill Gates said feedback was the breakfast of champions. I believe he's right. If you don't get feedback, you won't know what to change. Now, again, it can't be any feedback. You know, I, I have a million three or a million four people on Facebook. They don't know me from Adam and yada yada, and they make a statement. I'm not taking that on one way or the other. It's like, okay, God bless you, you got problems. Where I take feedback is from trusted sources. I ask for feedback. My bride and I. When we go on date night, many times I will ask my bride, "What can I do? What can I do to be a better husband, to be a better father?" And I have to really work to make sure that's a really safe environment for my bride. To say, well, you know, you might want to consider this, and she's such a gracious lady, but I'm open to it. I am open to it. It doesn't mean it's always fun. Getting exposed to your blind spots is never fun. But let me say this: I'd rather my bride exposes my blind spots. My brother Dharma is the CEO of Befinning Company. I go to Dermot, I'll ask him for the blind spots. He'll give them to me. And it's not fun to hear. It's not fun to hear. But the fact of the matter is, I'd rather have people I trust and know and care about give me that kind of feedback that isn't fun to hear than have the market expose it, than have my life persist in years and years or even decades of ignoring blind spots and having the same problem over and over and over and over again. If you're a growth person, you have to be open to hearing what your blind spots are and not be insecure about it. It doesn't mean you're broken. We're all a half cup short. We all need a little bit of help. No one. I've never met anybody who didn't have some gaps. We all have gaps. That's why people need people. And we need help. What are your blind spots? Be open to them. It doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean you're flawed. It means you're human and you're open to grow. And the truth of the matter is, The scriptures says, consider it all joy when you face trials of various kinds, because it'll make you perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. That the trials themselves help fill in the gaps. So we want to get the feedback. To me, getting feedback is getting a chance to grow without the trial. How about that? How about get the growth going before you get the consequences of non growth? Ben Franklin said, without continual growth and progress, such words as improvement, achievement, and success have no meaning. And that was an uber successful guy. Not a perfect dude, but a very, very successful person who has this giant legacy following his life. So Green Shoots, we take responsibility, we embrace feedback, and you have this growth mindset. See, it leads somewhere. A great book on the subject is called Mindset by uh, Carol Dweck. Great book on the subject. And so, in fact, it was kind of cool Uh, One of my kids, their coach gave it to their whole team in college for them to study so that their volleyball team can achieve at the next level. Speaking of coaches, my friend and mentor, Lou Holtz says, in this world, you're either growing or you're dying. So get in motion and grow. I've taken that to heart. Lou and I have been together dozens and dozens of times, and he always says the same thing. You're growing or dying. You're getting better or you're getting worse. A marriage is growing or dying. You're always a person growing or dying. You're either getting better or worse. Leonardo da Vinci said, iron rusts from disuse. Water loses its purity from stagnation. Even so, does inaction sap the vigor of the mind. Post-COVID, what I've watched is a lot of folks lose their vigor. You know, being at home is the ultimate comfort zone. Being at home, forced to be home, become the comfort zone. I've watched people, even my own staff, come back to work and be out of their comfort zone coming back to work a place that is very, very welcoming and with great people and a great environment. It's been challenging, understandably so. Post-COVID, people are having to get out of their comfort zones, and it's a very, very much a challenge. But what it does is you lose that vigor, you lose that zip, you lose that that speed on your fastball. We need to get in the game. Mel Robbins says we can't become what we need to be by staying what we are, okay? So those green shoots, take that responsibility embrace feedback, and then you have a growth mindset. So let's finish up with what it looks like. What does it look like to be all grown up? Well, first and foremost, you take control. Second, you've committed to the can I principle, the constant and never-ending improvement. And ultimately, you're on the road to becoming a master in the areas of emotional well-being, emotional maturity, and then you get to teach other people. So first and foremost, take control. We want to have a plan. We want to take control. There's a great quote I love in the scriptures, my wife quotes all the time, which is, hold every thought captive. If you find yourself, for example, reacting to a situation, and that reaction is not a mature reaction, what will it take to try to control, contain, hold your tongue, withhold your actions, and the withholding in and of itself to be prepared ahead of time? If I feel this way, if I get into that type of circumstance, what am I going to do? So first and foremost, have a plan ahead of time. Jim Rohn says, either you run the day or the day runs you. So we've got to have a plan for it. Dolly Parton says, if you don't like the road you're walking, start paving another one, right? So what other activity can you do? What response could you have? What response could you have as opposed to the response you've had consistently and in the form of a pattern? Albert Ellis, a famous psychologist, said, the best years of your life are the ones in which you decide your problems are your own. You do not blame them on your mother, the ecology, or the president. You realize that you control your own destiny. And to a large extent, we do. And it starts with that emotional intelligence. What can we do? What's that emotional maturity? I'm in this circumstance. This is typically a circumstance where I get triggered. Sometimes people have it. I'm going into Thanksgiving dinner, and there's people there that just are polar opposites, and I'm going to say this. It's going to trigger me. Well, am I going to flare up and react, or can I do this? Maybe I can ask a follow-up question. Maybe I can take a deep breath. Maybe I can change the subject. Maybe I'll just find something positive about that person and focus on that. What can I do differently? The next thing is the can I, constant and never-ending improvement. All of us can do this. I mean, until the day they put me in the pine box, I'm committed to constant and never-ending improvement. I find myself happiest when I'm growing. I find myself most unhappy when I'm stuck. And so this commitment, it's a mindset. To the constant and never ending improvement. The can I? And can I get better? Can I improve? Can I? C A N I. Constant and never ending improvement. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, The only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. Another great quote Maturity is when you stop trying to change people and focus on changing yourself. And then my friend Henry Cloud says, A mature person meets the demands of life, the immature person demands that life meets his or her demands. Okay. That ain't happening. I'm going to sit here and scream until the world focuses on me. If you think about it, I babysit my grandkids all the time. No, babies do that, right? Babies sit on the floor. They scream bloody murder until such time they demand that life comes to meet their demands. Are you hungry? Are you wet? Are you poopy? What's wrong? What's wrong? A lot of times, nothing wrong at all. They're just trying to control the situation. And in the short term, sometimes you can get your way by having the emotional outburst, but you don't get to have the way. You don't get the way of success. You don't get the way of peace. You don't get the way of growth. You don't get the way of harmony. You just get your way. And eventually, that becomes bad news. And then lastly, this whole commitment to mastery. You know, to really get on a path to understand, to master your own emotions, to master your own growth, to know when you're off track and to know when you're on track. I would say this. I've really been dedicated to personal growth and development for more than three decades. And what's happened is I can just tell when I'm out of sorts, much quicker than I ever could before. I can tell when I'm not in the slot, when I'm not flown, I hear things coming out of my mouth. I hear attitudes forming. I hear myself being more critical. And I just see these patterns show up and I can see it in others' response to me and so on and so forth. And I just, oh, hang on a second here. Yeah, you finished that book. You finished that journal. You haven't replaced it with anything. You took a break, but the break's too long okay, here we go. Let's get back on the horse. Let's find something that inspires you. Find something that really gets you going. Let's get you in the game. And you can find those sources of inspiration, anything. Like I mentioned, I just watched a tennis final with a couple of teenagers, and I'm not the biggest tennis fan in the world, but I was inspired by these kids. You can find sources of things that get you in the game to trigger you, to trigger you towards growth, as opposed to trigger you towards emotional immaturity. So these are some cool things. You know, Jack Welch said, before you become a leader, Success is all about growing yourself. And after you become a leader, success is all about growing others. And that's where the mastery comes in. Grow yourself first. Then, based on your growth, you get to grow others. And that's really the talking point. Leonardo da Vinci said one can have no smaller or greater mastery than the mastery of oneself. So that's where we go. Where you really want to become a master, grow yourself and then do it in such a way you grow intentionally. You're a conscious competent and then you grow other people. Now you're really talking. So that was kind of fun today. I hope this has been helpful for you. Time to grow up. I think it's always time to grow up for all of us. We talked about stunted growth, green shoots, and then we talked about what it means to be all grown up. I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope this podcast is something that challenges your thinking. I hope it encourages you and ultimately help you live a little better version of the good life. Thanks for joining me today. I'm going to leave you with a little Irish blessing. From someone with a lot of emotional maturity, my mom Therese. Take it over, mom. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.